You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I know it's the day after Christmas and, you know, I, you're expecting maybe like a little recap of a Christmas message or all that. I'm just going to tell you, you know, we're looking not behind us. We're moving forward. We are pressing forward. Today is Shredder Sunday. And if you've never been to a Shredder Sunday, get ready, get ready. This is a breakthrough Sunday. Honestly, it's probably my favorite Sunday of the year. We see the power of God show up. I was thinking back on last year, my Shredder Sunday. I had no clue I'd be here in Utah. But I did put on there that I wanted, we lived in San Diego and we had a condo, it was a nice condo, but we have two boys and we didn't have a yard. And I prayed for a yard. I just said, God, I wanna get a yard. And I was just marveled today, looking out at my whitewashed yard today in my brand new house here in Utah, one of the greatest states in the world, with the greatest snow in the world. God is so good. I just wanna commend all you. You're not a fair weather Christian, you're committed. You survived the five minute blizzard, well done. We will rebuild, we will rebuild. Uh, no, I don't wanna take full credit, but I did look out my window when all of a sudden the snow started dropping. And I did say, God, hold it till after church. And then I looked out my window like three minutes later and it stopped. So I'm gonna take some credit, you're welcome, I prayed. Yes, yes, yes. So, but hey. We're going to give you, uh, why don't you take a seat, but you're looking so good today. Give somebody a high five. Say, I'm so glad you're next to me. Happy Shredder Sunday. Merry belated Christmas. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. Where are my notes? Thank you, Jesus. So today will be a first for me. As you notice, I'm not holding a mic. They've strapped a mic on me. Uh, and uh, via the direction of my wife slash my media team, my production team, I have been grounded from a hat holding a mic. <laughs> Apparently, I'm too animated, and I move the mic too much. And poor Devin is getting carpal tunnel from adjusting the volume. <laughs> Sometimes I get it close, and it blows your ears out. So you're welcome. You can thank our production team for strapping this on me. <laughs> However, do not laugh at me, because I've never done this. If my hand starts holding, if I hold my hand like this empty, <laughs> it's a thing of nature. My left hand, he's wild. He'll go all over the place. My right hand... It's like Ricky Bobby, doesn't know what to do. I just <laughs> doesn't know what to do. Shredder Sunday. Let's go. Come on. What is Shredder Sunday? So you're going to have this little piece of paper. Maybe some of you got the memo last week and even brought in some papers. But this is a Sunday where we actually hold God to all his promises and actually prophetically are going to, at the end of service, write down the things in our life that don't line up with the word of God and his kingdom. And we're going to come up here and we'll have our ministry team up here. They'll say a quick prayer because when two come in agreement, there's power. And then you're going to stick this thing in the shredder. I was taking notes during worship because I realized yesterday I didn't have time because I was preaching. So I've got stuff I'm believing God to take out of my life. And I'm holding myself to the word of God standard, right? The Bible says I'm the head, not the tail. The Bible says that I've been set free, but it also says that a person in debt is a slave to the debtor. So I, I put my debt on there, make sure, you know, I'm putting my mortgage on there. Why not? Let's see what God can do. He's, he has showed me off so many times in my life. 
And so as I'm preaching, if, any, if the Holy Spirit brings anything to mind that you go, you know what? That's dragging me down. That's holding me back. That's actually causing more work or distraction. And it might be stopping me from stepping into my divine purpose. It might be slowing me down. Maybe you're going, but you got things slowing you down. Maybe you got an addiction that you need God to shred out of your life this year. Maybe you've got some stinking thinking. Maybe with all the fear and propaganda we've heard the last two years, maybe, maybe uh, fear has kind of come into your world and, and you're not as activated as you used to be. Whatever it is, I want you, if the Holy Spirit gives it to you, put it on this piece of paper and feel free to shred it. And it's a prophetic declaration. It's a prophetic act to let your world know, your, your space, your environment know that I'm trusting God with 2022. I'm trusting God with the future. And I want to reach everything God has for me. So that is Shredder Sunday. Let me give you some verses about why we do, why we do Shredder Sunday. Colossians 2.14, the power of the cross. Having canceled the charge of our legal uh, indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle. Oh, I love that. Public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The cross has opened up uh, the miraculous and put us back in alignment with original intent. Original intent was to be in communion with God and take dominion and authority over the earth. The cross has reset that. The cross, it says that by his stripes, we are healed. If you're facing a medical issue, you can actually, yes, fine, doctors, great. We love doctors. We, we, we appreciate doctors. But you can step in to say, you know what? I'm going to a higher authority to get my final diagnosis. I got to step into what God said he has for me. And it's not prideful. I love what uh, Pastor Andy said. I, I read a great meme the other day. I'm going to share with you. There are four stages of life. And life can be narrowed down to just these four stages. You believe in Santa. You don't believe in Santa. You become Santa. Then you look like Santa. Okay, those are the four stages of life. Okay? <laughs> Cancel in Jesus' name. I'm going to be a ripped Santa. I'll, I go with the beard, but I'm going to get ripped in my... Anyways... Where was I going with that? <laughs> Jesus, come back. Oh, Pastor Andy. Pastor Andy, I just want to prophesy over you. Get ready, guys. He's going to unleash. He's going to uh, be preaching here in a couple weeks. But Andy, you are such a wealth and treasure of wisdom. And you just have such a humor about you. that I, I, I would put you up here just for me, just for a good laugh, man. The way you just, <laughs> the way you go off of Amy, I love it so much. Anyways, but... Andy, I really did see anointing coming on you to share the word of God and to preach because anointing comes from perseverance and what you have actually walked through. It doesn't, it's not a thing. Gift, people have gifts, different gifts you're gifted to, but you have anointing and you're, when you preach, man, it's gonna unlock people. So get ready for Pastor Andy to unleash. Okay, another verse for you. This is the verse I want, we're gonna land on this verse too, but this is the verse for you for 2022, Okay. But forget all that. This is Isaiah 43. Forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make pathways through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. I'm prophesying over you that God is going to make pathways 
in your wilderness and he's going to bring rivers to the dry areas of your life in 2022. I feel like personally what God shared with me is when you say the word 2022, you have to say 2020 in there. And I just believe that God's going to say, hey, we're going to do 2020 part two and I'm going to redo and rethink and restructure. Maybe some people had a rough 2020. I'll be honest, I didn't really participate all that much with, I just turned off CNN and it, life felt good. So, <laughs> sometimes if you just need to, need anxiety, just don't turn on the news. Don't turn on the news. Anyways, I, I might go there. We'll see. The title of my message is Deconstructing Doubt. I don't know why, but over the last four years, I've noticed something that has become kind of alarming to me, but it's become popular for influential Christians and just regular Christians to do what they call deconstructing my faith, deconstructing the things I was taught, this deconstructing. And you know, it, like some of it, people will start saying like, well, you know, I'm deconstructing religiosity and religion. Listen, I, we are not a religious church. Okay? We believe the full counsel of the gospel. We believe in the power of God, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We operate in them. We see them. I see miracles every Tuesday. If you are doubting that God does miracles, come to one of our prayer meetings. Guys on Tuesday morning at 5.30. We do, and ladies at Thursday, 6.30 or 9.30. But we do a part where everyone just shares God's stories. And I'm telling you, the things I've seen this year... They keep me going. They remind me that God's still on the move. The theology that the gifts were for, for just for the first Christians is, is dumb. I'm not going to make it. I could say it all fancy, but it's dumb. It's not true. God's been doing miracles for 2,000 years. That's why the gospel keeps spreading. And once again, if you turn off the news, God is on the move. God is on the move. Deconstructing doubt. There's, a, there's even a definition of it. This is the deconstructionist theory, okay? A philosophy movement that the theory of literally, or, yeah, of literary criticism that questions traditional assumption about certainty, identity, and truth. Listen, truth isn't scared to be questioned because truth does not change. You know, and, and it, you can't shatter truth. When you try to change truth you, and you run at that thing trying to change it, it is a brick wall. It does not change. The truth stands. True as gravity is today. It doesn't matter what I hyperbolate or think through or say on my social media about gravity and I'm deconstructing gravity. I don't think I have to abide by it. If I step off the stage, I'm going to fall. Right. I don't get to change that. Truth is truth. And there's an attack on truth. Okay, there's an attack on truth. And really, there's so many things going on that you have to go down to the root, the root of what's going on. Okay, the root. Uh, God says, look at fruit. And fruit starts what's in the roots. Okay, there, there's stuff being taught in our schools. The root, is, is, it sounds pretty. Listen, I'm just going to say this right now. Any worldview based on Marxist views is coming from an antichrist spirit. It, it, it puts man back in power and doesn't recognize that Jesus said all of us fall short and we need a savior. Yeah. All right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to boom. Some, some, shepherd's got to say it sometimes, okay? All right, so I've seen people. Why do I bring that up? Because as people deconstruct, I've been watching where they seem to head. I looked for the fruit, okay? And so the Bible says to do this in Luke 6, 43 through 48, it says this. 
A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered in thorn bushes, and grapes not picked from bramble bushes. As a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Now, here's where Jesus gets it's a little savage. He's not afraid. Listen, any, if the gospel will be offensive sometimes. In fact, it is offensive. It starts with a recognition that we need a savior. And if you don't believe you need a savior, that could be sound offensive. But offense, Jesus said, uh, didn't pray. He said, when offense comes. He didn't say if offense comes, okay? Some things are offensive. But Jesus says like this. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Will you show our, I will show you how, what it looks like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the flood waters of a fence come and rise and, the, and, the, and breaking against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. Going back to watching my, my friends and some people that I follow go into this deconstruction mode. I noticed this a lot. Maybe it's been going longer, but I noticed it four years ago because four years ago, I went through a really challenging season in my walk. And some of you have heard parts of the story. I'm just going to summarize it. I can't get all the details. But we found this church, me and my wife, uh, 11 years ago? 11 years ago. And, you know, oh my goodness, I grew up in church. I grew up in a Methodist church and went to a Baptist summer camp. And so, you know, I'm thankful that I heard the word of God. I'm thankful that the word of God was put in me. But but then we found a spirit-filled church. And I was like, whoa, the book of Acts makes a lot more sense now. Whoa, like, this is really cool. Like, we actually get to see the stuff. We get to be a part of it. And uh, so we find Awakened Church in San Diego, and our lives are just transforming. And uh, I end up becoming, I'm um, serving in the young adults. I become the young adult pastor at the church. And it was awesome. We see, I mean, I was like a kid in a candy shop. Just uh, We saw God do so many cool things. But there was some stuff in my world that I needed to process, that God needed to deal with me. Some, in, some deep-seated insecurities, some fear of man, some, uh, fear, so much fear of failure that, that I wouldn't even put myself out there if I knew I couldn't win, right? And just a lot of stuff. And so I didn't really want to deal with it. At least now I know I didn't. I thought I did, but I didn't want to deal with it. And so God took me through a journey. I was actually fired from being the young adult pastor in the church. Now, you want to talk about having to walk through something. My greatest fear is failure, and I'm going to church the week after, and I'm no longer the young adult pastor, and I'm thinking like 3,000 people see me as a failure. That was tough. And around that time, I started noticing, see, I told you I grew up in non-spirit-filled church. What's funny is if I want to check in what's going on in that church world, I go on my Facebook page because all my friends from then, I had, we only had Facebook. We weren't doing Instagram. All my awakened friends I'm friends with on Instagram. So it's a weird dynamic depending on which social media I go to. I have to go back on Instagram, get faith, and then I go into Facebook. So if I don't, if you've DM'd me on Facebook, I didn't answer. It's probably because I just don't want to get depressed. But, <laughs> but I started noticing that. And I even start myself wanting to get pulled into like, well, man, this hurts so bad. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong for, you know, 
being all about growing the house of God and, and serving at church and, 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 and all the things, the Holy Spirit stuff, I, I, I could feel myself being tempted. But what saved me was I had these youth pastor friends, because I was a youth pastor in, that, in the church before we found Awaken, who we used to run a summer camp together, and we got in so much trouble. They eventually shut down the camp because it was so rowdy, but, but God was on, <laughs> true story, but God was on the move. Like, we saw revival, we, and I, I didn't even know what to call it because I wasn't in a spirit-filled church, so I was just like, this is cool, you know? Like, I, that's all I had in my repertoire back then, and uh, so I go back, and I would look at some of the friends and I look for the fruit. What's happened since they went kind of public with their I'm deconstructing church? And here's what I saw. Once again, healthy pre- trees produce health, or have healthy roots. I noticed the trend first that all my friends that were deconstructing their faith, faith they started deconstru- deconstructing after they either got offended, hurt, or disappointed. I never seen anyone get public about deconstructing their Christian upbringing who didn't first go through a massive disappointment, a massive hurt, or a massive offense. So I'm like, well, that's not a very good seed to grow something on. I don't want to grow my life on a seed of offense. I don't want to leave my church with a seed of offense. I don't want to step into something new because the thing that motivated me was offense. I want to let those hard things do what Jesus said and begin to shape me into being more like Jesus. I don't want to let those hard things dictate the way I go. And so I noticed the fruit, and here was some of the fruit. Uh, They started to always criticize the church. Weren't doing anything, but could always find something wrong with the church. You know, hey, can I tell you a secret? No one pays you for being the chief problem finder. There is no position on a C-level board, chief problem finder. You will get paid a lot of money if you are the chief problem solver. Be a CPS. You see a problem? Like, for instance, if any of you can drum, we don't have a drummer this Sunday because he's on vacation. See a problem. Fix a problem. I love you. Thank you. We want you. Talk to the lady on the piano. She's doing auditions in a couple days. See a problem, fix a problem. So I noticed they started criticizing the bride of Christ. I noticed they moved away from gathering together as believers. The Bible explicitly says, do not forsake the gathering together. But, you know, they'd say beautiful things like, Jesus is with me everywhere. He's with me on my hike. He's with me at this, on the top of Snowbird. He's with me when I walk my dog. And that's very true, and it's beautiful. But are you using it to mask something? Are you using it to forsake the gathering with the people of God? Some of you are like, man, it's Christmas. He's going a little hard. I love you. What I'm giving you is a gift. Just wrapped in wrapping paper that might hurt just a little, okay? But just know it's coming from personal growth and love for people. I've just watched too many amazing people with so much gifts, so many talents get took out of church. And they act like their life is getting better. But then I find out two years later, they're divorced. They lost their job. They're addicted. But on, oh, social media, man, look how happy they are. They don't go to church on Sunday anymore. And their life is flourishing and great. I've never seen that. I've never seen that. It can, you can hold up that mask for a while, but eventually. Okay, so they criticize the church. They move away from gathering with people. They moved away from gathering together as believers. They question serving they question serving in a biblical worldview. World I'm just going to say it. 
they'll get woke. And woke is a joke. I'm not, I'm not being dogmatic. I'm not saying that, but woke is a, is, a, is a cool, trendy word for a lot of worldviews that don't line up with the Bible. Okay? We're awakened. We're not woke here. Okay? <laughs> okay. Question serving Bill Grovey. And they begin, finally, where it leads is they begin to doubt the goodness and power of God. Maybe somebody's coming in here and you're doubting the goodness and power of God. Let me, I'm going to help today. And then I would see, so I'd see that, and then I would look at the comments and see who's amening them. And I'd be like, oh my gosh. It's all the same offended, mad at church people. They're all just, they, they, I mean, they love it. That's why it feels good to publicly, you know, post about it. Because all, you know what? Offense is the devil's greatest tool for taking out Christians. We all think like, it's like, ooh, the demon, he made me stub my toe. No, it's offense. Offense he is his finest work. And if you haven't been offended at church yet, I'm just going to tell you, this is probably your first Sunday. Okay, I could I guess that. <laughs> This is probably your first time in a church because this is, this is a hospital for the lost. There are people in process here, right? We're one of the only organizations in the world that exists for its non-members. And so it gets messy. It gets messy, you know? It's going to happen. But I wouldn't be careful. Look around you who's amening your offense. You know, it's, 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 it's a all over leadership books, but... If you show me the five people that you're closest with, I can tell you where you're going to be financially, where you're going to be spiritually, where your marriage is going to be. I can tell you all those things just off of those people. And so we should always, now let me, let me say something. What I am not saying is to never look at a critical eye at, at your walk with Jesus. In fact, the opposite. There are areas where we should constantly be looking under the hood. One of which is our relation quality. The people we do life with constantly looking at the fruit. That doesn't mean you have to cut all the people out that don't have the fruit, but you better make sure you get around some people with some fruit that you want, right? You can still be, uh, you know, reach out to those friends, but if everybody you lean on, everybody you depend on, everyone you share your heart with doesn't have the fruit you want, then you're not going to get the advice or the wisdom you need to grow. So here's a scary thought. You will always be able to find people and a verse that'll back up your wrong decision. Always. What did the devil do when he came to tempt Jesus in the desert? He used scripture. That's why you need the Holy Spirit and good counsel to say, hey, you're you're taking a verse, but you're not taking the whole counsel and applying it to the core principles of the gospel. So you're taking one verse, writing your own theology about it, and then you don't wonder why there's dysfunction going on in your world. That's a scary thought. That's why community is so important. That's why being in a connect group is so important. And listen, here at Awaken Church, our connect groups, we do life together. I'll be honest, we probably could spend a little more time in the Bible, but we're having fun and we're laughing and we're doing joy. It's not a Bible study. We're not sitting around doing kumbaya. We're doing life together. We're praying for each other. We're sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because we believe that Jesus' redemptive power, wherever light's getting shined, he's going to show up. So if you're, not, if you're not in a connect group, I want to encourage you, make this the year. Make this the year. Look around, you know, talk to 
Uh, where's Rich Bogle? Rich Bogle right there. He runs our connect groups. Ask, tell, go up, tell him, give him your resume. Be like, this is the things I like. And he'll be like, I got a connect group for you, okay? <laughs> Deconstructing our doubt. So where do we want to deconstruct? I believe there are things that, if you, that we should constantly be deconstructing and looking at in our world. And these are just three hot topics to me. There's a lot of areas, but I'll, I'll use the verse here. Here's where you deconstruct. The Bible says, before you look in the speck in someone else's eye, look at the log in your own eye. When offense comes, the better question is not, why did they do that? The best question is, why does that hurt me? You know, it can hurt for a second, you know, when I try to give Andy a high five and he doesn't give me a high five back because he didn't see me, that hurts for a second. But I'll just, you know, if I go, well, why? Why didn't he get, you know, I'll go down this path of looking at somebody else or looking at the bride of Christ. Well, why does that church do that? Why is this church all energetic and why do the people yell and clap and cheer? And, you know, because we actually think that you should get excited about the word of God. So the good question is, wait, why don't I want to? amen something that I want in my life. You know, why don't I want to participate with that? So there are things we should be deconstructing. And, and I want to start first with, let's deconstruct the word humility in our life. Because this one really irks me, all right? God, or you know what? Let's go to the Bible. You've heard, let's do Bible first. Hebrews eleven six says this, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards. Look at your neighbor and say rewards. Those who earnestly seek him. It is like a four-letter word to tell people that God wants you to prosper in church. That God wants to bless his children. That he rewards applying biblical principles to our life. And, it, you know, it just, it, I want to deconstruct that. Because often what we're doing is we're catering to our insecurity by naming it Humility. You know, it's scary and, and intimidating to dream big with God. So we'll say something like, well, if it's God's will, you know, that I'd get a raise, or if it's God's will, that uh, I would be healed. If it's God's will, if it's God's will, he already said it's his will. It's written. It is written. It is written. So he's looking for you to amen his word, to partner with it to partner with it, but we use humility to not be at, out, out of our comfort zone, okay? The, I'm, I'm perpetually out of my comfort zone. I've been out of my comfort zone since I found Awakened Church. For 10 years, I have been out of my comfort zone because I believe in a big God that wants to do big things through me and the people around me and our church and everyone in this building. And that requires me to not have a false humility that per gives me permission to think small and dream small. Because on the other end of, let's say God's asking you to start a company, but you're resisting because it's, it's, you know, oh, I don't want to be humble, but there's, there's people that are going to have jobs with a good boss who believes Jesus. There's money that's going to flow into the kingdom to build more churches and more altars for people to get saved. We don't want to dismiss God's blessing with our humility. Because we have to partner with Holy Spirit to make things happen in our world. And, and, and it requires a level of just being like, okay, I'm just gonna have to be uncomfortable and grow because all growth happens 
Outside the comfort zone. All right, some people, some people been here. Okay, I love this quote. A really uh, famous pastor, spirit-filled pastor was asked at a conference, uh, Bill Johnson, he was asked, you know, the whole thing with money or whatever, uh, how much is too much? Is there too much? And the answer, striking, and it's perfect, said, whatever takes you out of trust. Whatever takes you out of trust. So I want to unpackage this, this, this humility that might be hiding an insecurity. Well, I don't feel worthy for God to heal me. Or I don't feel worthy for God to bless me with a new job. Or I don't feel worthy to, get, to own a house. And then we say, well, if we just put it back on God. And once again, he's like, no, no, no. I gave you the word to activate in your life. I gave you what to pray. I gave you scriptures to, to I said, you're the head, not the tail. So believe to be the head. I said that, uh, you know, Jeremiah 20, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I said it, I need you to grab it. Shredder Sunday is about shredding the things that are keeping us from all the promises God has for us. So let's deconstruct our false humility. Ask ourselves, is this really humility or is this insecurity? Let me tell you this. So the reason people will maybe buck against this especially like a spirit of religion will buck against this. It's like, well, you shouldn't be about just what God can give you. It should all be for Jesus. But Jesus came expecting a harvest on what he did. He expected you to believe in him. He expected you. There was a sacrifice. He sowed a seed. He had an expectation. What if Jesus said that? I'm going to die on the cross. I don't expect anyone to appreciate it. I just am going to do it. No. That's not gospel. You know how you want it'll stay humble and won't become materialistic? Here's how you do it. It takes two things. If you just have one of them, it, do, it doesn't work. You have to have two things. Big dreams combined with obedience. Wow. Trust me, big dreams will scare the poop out of you. They will. Can you say that in church? He did. They will scare you. Okay, the dreams I have, even for next year, they scare me. I've never been in that territory. I see another campus in this year. I don't know how to build a campus, okay? I see things that scare me, and that keeps me humble because I'm out of Matt's capacity. In fact, if I was being honest, I'm way out of it already. I don't know. God works in mysterious ways. I think that every time I come up on this stage. And it's true. I'm out of my league, and I depend on Jesus for it. It keeps me from materialism. But the the other thing is obedience. Obedience that is not fair weather. Right? I'll just pick this one. Jesus talked about it a lot because he knows this one is the best one. And why, listen, we have such a generous church here. I'm so blessed with the people in our church. And I, just being honest, we don't need your money. This building makes money all week. It's awesome. As a businessman, I'm like, this is the sickest church ever. This is a, yes, I love this, okay? We don't need your money. But you need to have an area where good or bad weather, fair or harsh, you have obedience. And you steward something that's God's, but you have to steward. That's why the tithe is such a thing. And it's not the only thing. You know, he wants to be in charge of the whole thing. He wants to be Lord of everything. He wants to be Lord of your sex life. He wants to be Lord of of your finances. He wants to be Lord of 
what you say when people cut you off on the freeway, help me Jesus, you know? He wants to be Lord of everything. He wants to be Lord of what you're watching, what you're saying, what's coming out of your mouth. So if you have obedience as a staple in your, in your life, where convenient or not, you're striving to obey God's word. I promise you, I've never, and you will not find a Christian who becomes obsessed with materialism and isn't generous if they have big dreams and obedience in their world. That's the, that's the cure. And that's why the devil wants to attack God's children for dreaming big for their life because actually he can just wrap up insecurity in the word humility and keep you limited and not able to do what God made you to do which will give you life and life abundantly, which you'll feel alive when you wake up in the morning. So let's deconstruct that a little bit. If you can't see yourself going bigger, doing bigger, being used in your gifting in 2022, I want you to shred that today. Okay, we're doing good. Point number two, deconstruct comfort. C.S. Lewis said this, if you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will get neither comfort or truth. Wow. Only soft soap and wishful thinking into, at the beginning, and in the end, despair. Okay, well, let's see us lose. What about the Bible? You just got to read your Bible for 10 minutes and realize that God's highest priority and how he speaks is not through comfort. Okay? It's not comfortable to pick up a rock and try to defeat a giant. It's not comfortable to go into a lion's den. It's not comfortable to go into a flaming furnace. It's not comfortable to be in, in a prison prophesying over people while you're in prison. There's a lot of not comfortable in the Bible. Here's the cool thing. God called you to live epic. But comfort and epic don't live together. They don't live together. And so many Christians, see, we, we grew up in a generation like, I just think like 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Like the things we have that make our life convenient are absurd. You know, I'm hungry, grab out a fridge, 30 seconds, microwave, I'm eating. 200 years ago, I'm hungry. I'm going to go kill a chicken. I'm going to drain it and pluck it. I'm going to go boil it. I'm going to go pick some berries and there's a bunch of thorns. You know, it's like if you, you couldn't let hunger sneak up on you because you had a whole day's work to fix it. Okay, you had to be prepped. It's just we live in a comfort driven world right now. And that's beautiful. That's great. That makes us even more effective, more, more able to execute. I'm not knocking microwaves. See, that's how the devil works. It will point out like a good thing and we'll say, here's the bad side effect. If we don't pay attention, then, then people will be like, well, I guess I'll just throw my microwave out. No, 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 no. Use the microwave to be more effective in life. Unless you're really into health food and you don't believe microwaves, that's fine, but whatever. (laughs) I don't want to argue theology of microwaves, but we got to deconstruct comfort speaking to us. Too many people, I'll talk to them and they'll be like, well, I feel like God's telling me, you know, to leave the church or move because it's just kind of uncomfortable, you know, and this thing will make me comfortable. I'm not saying comfort's a bad thing. Honestly, comfort is a beautiful thing. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, whose one of his name is the comforter. It's not evil or not evil to have comfort it just shouldn't be avert. It shouldn't be part of the processing with God. It shouldn't be how we decide what God's saying. You know, if 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 David would have prayed, God, just show me what your will is for my life through comfort. He would have never killed a giant. He would have never been king. He would have never raised a mighty man. He had an epic life. 
but it wasn't always comfortable. And I'll say this too. Some Christians take this too far and they feel like unless they're suffering and in pain that they're not pleasing God. No, no, no. Pain is only a doorway in the kingdom of God. It's not a living room. It's a doorway. So pain comes. You say, God, let me take this in. Let me absorb this. And what am I going to do? How am I going to, what am I, what do I need to deconstruct? Because nothing is a better teacher than a little pain, right? You go to the gym, you got to have a little pain to grow. And so let's deconstruct this whole thing of like, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to church next week because last week they didn't play a single song that I like. There, I haven't heard Carrie Job in weeks. Why am I going to this church? They don't even listen to Newsboys anymore. throwback for you pew, you pew, pew jumpers that have been in church forever deconstructing comfort you know oh like I see a lot of people too they feel like they have to protect themselves from church because in the past maybe they got so excited and they had this great enthusiasm about Jesus and so they come to church and somebody said hey do you want to help here and they'd say yes I do because I'm excited and then and then another person yes I'll help yeah, yes I'll help yes I'll help yes I'll help and next thing you know you're serving on 20 teams and two months later you're like ah I'm burned out and then instead of processing and say okay I'm gonna have wisdom where's my gifts but I am gonna still serve in the house of God they just say well I was uncomfortable so now I'm gonna protect myself from church Man, I went to a Bible small group once and, and I told somebody something really precious and, they, and, they, and then they shared it with somebody else and, and, and I'll never do it again. No, 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 no. Don't let comfort drive your decisions in the house. Don't let comfort make you protect yourself from the house of God. You don't have to have your heart. Some people, man, you ask them to serve, they're like, whoa. I'm like, hey, I'm just, I want to see your gifts being used in the house of God. We're, you know, if, if you're... If you're an introvert and you love AV and audio and sound, I'm not going to put you on the high team, <laughs> okay? Unless you, you're like a freak like Devin who really loves people and is good at that stuff. Devin, you're amazing. That's like the first thing I told you, right, Devin? When we met, I'm like, you're an anomaly. <laughs> but no, we want to find your gifts. And we want you to serve, because when you're serving your gifts, it doesn't feel like serving. You laugh at, you're like, man, this, I, this is awesome. I'm, I'm jacked right now. And, and, and with a little bit of uncomfort, sometimes it's just, anyways, I've hit that enough. Deconstruct your comfort. Don't make comfort a driving force. Ask God for epic. Don't ask him for a comfortable life. Ask God to use you. So funny, people are like, use me, Lord. And then they're serving at church and they're like, I feel like the church is just using me. <laughs> Talk about it. Last one. I'm going to bring the band up. And we're going to get ready to shred some stuff. Deconstruct caution. See, caution, originally my point was deconstruct fear. But if you've been going to church for longer than a couple weeks, you start to learn, it's like, ooh, you can't say fear in church. It's like a four-letter word. Don't use the F word in church, you know? And, uh... What are you guys laughing at? Just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I'm naughty. To the pure, all things are pure. I didn't even think that. No, but don't use, you learn, don't use, don't use that. I'll, I'll use a better word. So, oh, I'm just cautious. I'm cautious. Cautious to go all in for Jesus. He can have my Sunday. One service. He can have two hours. 
but you're telling me, Jesus, that you'd like me to use my gifts at the nine and then go to the 11 or use my gifts at the 11 and go to the nine and you want me to, you want me to serve? If you're on our worship team, you want me to serve every week? If you're musically talented, talk to her, okay? <laughs> but sometimes we'll use, well, I'm just being cautious. I'm being, I'm being, you know, trying to use wisdom, but we'll use that. And if we really were to deconstruct it down, we're actually operating in fear. Matthew 16, 25 says this, for whoever desires to save his life is cautious. Lose it. Whatever loses his life for my sake will find it. There's one thing that you do not have to look back. You do not have to second guess. And that is going all in with Jesus. It is the only thing where there should be zero, zero caution. Throw all caution to the wind. Jesus wants to go epic for you. He died on a cross and took a massive beating so that you could be epic in the kingdom. And unfortunately, we create, we use these words, but if we're never willing to look under a critical eye and let other people in our world and do what the Great Commission is. You know, the Great Commission didn't say go out and make people stand up and say a prayer in church. The Great Commission said go and make disciples. Discipleship. It comes with just a level of throwing caution to the wind. Letting people into your world. I'm not saying you have to let the entire church into your most intimate struggles, but you gotta let some people in with the right fruit. Fear should be like a yellow light, not a GPS. When you feel fear, it's an emotion and it's something God does have for us, but it's a yellow light. It's, it's, you, you pay attention all of a sudden. You go, okay, am I going to gun it or am I going to slow down right now? You know, I'm going to look around, see, okay, I'm going to gun it, you know, or whatever. (laughs) Usually my answer, but it causes me to rethink the intersection, but not the destination. Do you understand the difference? A yellow light, every time I hit a yellow light, I don't go, ah, crap, go the other way. No, fear should not dictate any decision you make. Any decision. Anything. Don't let the government tell you what you're going to do with fear. Make a wise, educated decision. Do not be manipulated by fear. The term fear not is the most used term in the Bible. Jesus said, I came for freedom to set people free because fear leads to slavery. Leads to slavery in our lives. Don't let fear be a GPS. In fact, to be honest, when I feel fear, a lot of times now I kind of go, it's probably where I'm heading. (laughs) If I'm gonna be epic and live an epic life for Jesus, it's probably but I'm definitely not changing my course. I just pause. I say, man, I feel afraid right now. I feel afraid. Why? Deconstruct it. Get down to the root. Do you feel afraid because you don't trust that God's going to take care of you? Do you feel afraid because there's an area of your life that isn't surrendered to God and, and you're living in perpetual anxiety because your conscience isn't clear? Why are you feeling afraid? And let Jesus do what Jesus does, which is free you from fear. Free you from fear. Thank you. Yes. Hit home. Pastor Benji, get it. 
We love you here. So why, 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 why do I want us to deconstruct and get to this place? Because I don't want you to come up here and just come up here because of, be a sheep with a crowd and just say, well, everyone else did it, so I'm just gonna casually write something on here and just, well, whatever, we'll see what God does. No, I want you to come up here with faith. I want you to come up here and, and deconstruct the limiting thoughts, the stinking thinking that the creator of all the universe came down from heaven and died for you and put unique gifting in you as you were put together in the womb, the Bible says. And he wants to use that gift. He wants to use you in a mighty way. And the things you're going to put on this list should be the things that are slowing you down, that are holding you up, that are making it harder for you to serve Jesus and live for Jesus and see Jesus move in your life. Today, let's deconstruct fear. Let's deconstruct uh, false humility. Let's deconstruct and let's believe God. One thing I love about new Christians that like didn't grow up in church is they don't have to unlearn much. They like, they, you know, they, they'll come in church every week. They're like, have you read this? Did you see that where it says that? That he'll give us power to create wealth for his kingdom. Did you read that? And they're, they're like ready to go. They're, and I'll talk to people who grew up in church and they're like, well, Let's believe God. Let's be like children on Christmas. Let's be like children on Christmas. God loves, he says, to enter the kingdom, you have to be like a child. Be childish in what you write down on this thing. Have a big faith. Don't let disappointment that came in yesterday, yet later days, forget all that. One more time, the scripture, and then we're gonna do this. You can stand to your feet. Isaiah 43 but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do for I'm about to do something new. Don't let any discouragement, offense, or things of the past dictate what you're gonna believe God for this next year. Don't let it do that. So what we're gonna do, I'm gonna bring our ministry team up. And if you've got a few more things to write down after that preach, write them down. You're gonna come up. We've got a bunch of shredders up here. Get with one of our team. We're gonna just come in quick agreement. It's not gonna be a long prayer. You don't have to read the whole list, but we're just gonna come and agree with you that God's gonna move on your behalf in these areas. You don't gotta come up here and confess what's on your card, okay? So put anything and everything that you need shredded out of your life. Get a prayer, shred the paper, but I want you to come up here and believe. Believe that God's gonna do something in your world. Believe that he wants to use you. This is for somebody in the room. God is not done with you. You came to church this morning and you were worried that God was done with you. And I'm telling you, he's not done with you. you. He knows you messed up, but listen, he chose you knowing this day would happen and he still loves you and he's still for you and he's not giving up on you. So you shred that thing and you get up on your feet and you know that your daddy in heaven loves you and he's for you and that Jesus has made a way. Let me pray. God, as we come up here and shred these things, we're believing that you are gonna begin to remove the things that hinder us, that have been hindering us from reaching our full potential, from growing in you, from advancing your kingdom, from seeing the goodness of God in our life. You are a good dad. You just wanna give gifts because you love your children. It's not always just about uh, other, you love us. So God, as we shred these things, we come up with faith again. Faith again. Some of you, this is the first time you've had faith in over a year. But know this, God is for you. 
Jesus' blood was strong enough to erase any mistake you've made, and he is for you, and then when you have put your faith in Jesus, he makes all things new, and he's going to use you, and he wants to use you. We just have to give him the permission. So God, today, we shred these things, and we believe in you, and we ask you to move on our behalf. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.